there is this research that needs to be done when you're thinking about how and where you want to operate a business. Not only are we curating the best a city has to offer, but we're creating our own original content around it. The weird thing about entrepreneurship is people think that to be an entrepreneur, you sort of have to like jump up on the table, kick a stapler across the room, and then say, I quit. I think that most people that start a small business don't want to be a small business forever. I know I don't. I wish more people would just ask, like, why can't I do stuff like Hi, and welcome to Your Business Matters. I'm your host, Mark Hager. Thanks for being with us again. My guest today, Dr. Ryan Gustus, friend of the show. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> it's good to see you again. We were just recalling, I mean, six months-ish? It's been about six months since okay. you were on the show. Yeah. And uh, we're going to recap for our audience real quick. You're an optometrist. Yes. Right? Um, in, in private practice here in northern Indiana. Yes. And... Uh, some time ago, a year or so ago, maybe you, um, sort of identified this gap in the marketplace in your own practice Mm -hmm. and, um, have kind of rolled that out into it. Not kind of, you've rolled it out into its own entity, um, a technology based company and, and, uh, working on growing that company. Um, and so I thought we'd talk about today is just sort of that, that journey Sure. from, you know, I had this idea and bringing that idea to market to where you are today. But just as background, we go ahead and uh, just tell our fans here and our, our audience about um, your business and how you uh, saw that gap. Yeah, absolutely. So um, been at the practice now for seven years, but it even started three or four years ago. It's hard to keep track where just building things for our own office that uh, would help, you know, common pain points in, in any office, uh, especially healthcare, and you hear about it, you know, a lot or either or experience it a lot these days, is, you know, being transparent with fees and what costs are and presenting that to patients so they actually know what they're um, paying for things. And, you know, we all experience the, well, I don't know what my insurance covers type, you know, phenomenon. That's everywhere. <clears throat> so Right. Anybody that's had to contend with health care. Oh, I mean, yeah. In many cases, people take the path of least resistance, which is mm-hmm. to say to the provider, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, right? yes. I mean, that's just... We have a whole team of people that literally <laughs> answer that question right. on a daily, right. daily basis. And so in building some things just internally for the office, I have some experience coding. I'm an uh, Excel spreadsheet whiz that basically we had created... Oh, um, pieces for the office that my staff could use to quickly, you know, quote a patient for glasses, quote a patient for contacts. And you'd think that these technologies may have already existed, but really they don't. The, the focus in healthcare specifically right now is like electronic medical records, and they're good. Well, that's debatable if there's any other doctors <laughs> listening, but they're, they're good on uh, patient, you know, information and charting and things like that. Uh, but optometry, we're a little unique in that we also sell goods, kind of like a dentist does. And that here we didn't have any way uh, other than pulling out a piece of paper and scribbling on it, well, this is what, you know, you'd pay for your glasses today or something like that. So I want something much more professional, easy to understand and transparent for our patients so they actually knew, okay, this is what, you know, in a common misperception, 
uh, at least to ours, is, oh, you know, you must be more expensive than, say, buying my contacts online or something like right, that. Right. Where 90% of the time, that's actually not even the case. We're actually less than that. But there, therein lies the opportunity, right? How right. can we make that readily apparent to our patients? Clearly, we're not doing a good job communicating. And so that's where LensQuote, LensQuote's a company name, mm-hmm. came about. Uh, I had developed kind of a prototype in the office that did uh, a nice summary sheet, essentially, of, of uh, charges and broke everything down in a very easily understandable way for patients. And uh, then our contact lens sales for our own office grew uh, substantially. And that became something where, you know, friends learned about it. Uh, they wanted that in their own office, too. And one thing led to another, and then we um, essentially decided that we would go full bore and create this, you know, separate entity. It's separate than our practice now of uh, Lens Quote that essentially we had developers build this out. It's a good team that we have. And then we've been selling it in the market for the last uh, eight, six to eight months. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and just to kind of put some more context around this, yeah. to be a little more clear, what you have developed or what you're offering is mm-hmm. um, something that increases the efficiency of uh, an optometrist office and yes. increase their sales in the process. Yes. Right? And I just, I want to make that clear to our listeners because that's what opportunity looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so many people are out there trying to develop things or they, you know, um, you know, sort of entrepreneurial site, the vision, um, comes up because of there's a problem here and this is the type of solution. Um, and, and a lot of people wouldn't even say that that was a problem necessarily, to, right? Yeah. Um, but, but it certainly presented an opportunity, and you saw that in your own office. Yeah. We I could think. be selling more product mm-hmm. and probably doing it, again, more efficiently, you mm-hmm. know, in a, in a more uh, in a faster way, in a more consistent manner. Right. With a bit of a proof of concept right tool. there. Right. You know. And you could test that out in your own office. Tested and then it out for, say, <clears throat> about a year and a half, two years even before we started right. to actually develop it. And if yeah. nothing else ever came from it, mm-hmm. you still benefited from developing it because yes. your office was more efficient, your sales increased. Mm-hmm. And then you look at that as an opportunity to say other offices would benefit from this as well. And then you recognize that for other people to use it, it needs some nuances. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Yeah. And specifically, the way then we build it was, uh, you know, again, it's um, I I enjoy this stuff, right? Thoroughly, you know, <laughs> personally. So maybe that has something to do with it too. If you, you know, if you're if you're looking to solve a problem, but you don't enjoy the the aspect of building something that others want, um, right? Then uh, that can be hard to to stick with it because there's certainly. Maybe we're talking about today the challenges and <laughs> right. the, well, the and, wins and the and part of that is um, we we talk often on this show and of course you know universally anymore we talk so much about entrepreneurship and mm-hmm. it is about finding these gaps and trying to fill them but uh, if you're not interested in mm-hmm. the work that you're doing or the problem you're trying to solve or the people you're trying to help then it truly is just a job. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and I think I think that um, you know there's an awful lot of people who identify as entrepreneurs, believing that this is the the path, and uh, you know we do everything we can to support entrepreneurship and encourage it. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, um, again, without that personal interest, and we talk way too much about passion in in 
entrepreneurship. I, mm-hmm. you know, so I try to leave that word on the side. But there has to be some interest. Yeah. You know? And maybe some natural curiosity comes into that for many people who say, I just want to mm-hmm. be able to help these offices grow. And, um, you know, that's great. But if someone's completely disengaged and uninterested, then what they've done is signed up for a job. Hard to be successful. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And who wants a job? <laughs> oh, come on. That's for other people. <laughs> that's for- <clears throat> Somebody accused me of um, my current career being really just a collection of hobbies. Very recently, someone accused me of that. And what was your <laughs> counterpoint to that? I, I'm not sure I had one. Okay, that's I'm not I sure that I disagreed in any manner with her, but it was just interesting for her to say, so basically your life is a series of hobbies. Wow. That really made well, I, I don't know. Should I aspire to that or should I be embarrassed by that? But <laughs> Definition of hobby, I guess. Absolutely. I don't know. Okay. Um, so back to your story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Lens Quote was born uh, out of... Uh, what you saw as a perceived opportunity, probably mm-hmm. more than a need, but but perceived yeah, opportunity. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you contracted programmers. Mm-hmm. Um, out of Indy, actually. Out of Indianapolis. Yep. Um, they helped you develop working prototype, mm-hmm. and you deployed that in your own office to make sure that it worked. And I mean, yeah. just kind of walk me through that process of how did you get your kind of homemade version of this mm-hmm. into the more professionalized and what were the steps involved? Yeah, it's uh well, long process because really beginning from the point that we kind of signed up and said, okay, we're going to develop this, probably took about nine months worth of developing and iterating and changing sure. and things like that. About a year, a little over a year before I even sold it or you know, truthfully gave it away to a couple mm-hmm. of friends even to, to test it at first. Well, I assume so. you, you deployed some beta tests oh, yeah, in other yeah. people's offices. Be, how many, do you remember how many? Yeah, like six. Oh, that's a lot. Okay. Yeah. 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 About okay. six to beta test. And yeah. these were ones where, um, and this was where, like the, the in talking, you know, of course, as your colleagues and you're talking with friends and you go to meetings and see and you, you know, talk about what you do differently or what your new, project is that you're kind of excited about in the office you know that was several friends saying oh wow can you can you do that you know well yeah you know sure why not and it was all built like i said in excel of course building uh macro enabled excel spreadsheets is not very scalable right so oh you know proof of concept was great so i spent many hours building their own versions of this and then of course they loved it and that was all good and well um, and that was a bit of the time where at the same time, as you mentioned, it was a need in our office, but I didn't have to do this for any other office. It was, you know, out of need. It was definitely like, well, hey, you know, uh, clearly friends would like it. I think overall we get this, um, get that message that, you know, we, our contacts are expensive or something. It'd be nice to counter that, you know, let's, let's, put something in it. And we have so many, not to get on a soapbox, but especially healthcare providers right now, we have so many challenges of, you know, these electronic medical records and all these other things coming coming at you. That'd be nice to take some things off your plate. Like, you know, I just don't have to worry about how we're handling this XYZ process in the office. So, uh, so essentially I had built their Excel spreadsheets and that was enough to say, yeah, maybe we should have a, a developer actually do this and then had to decide early on, okay, is this just a project amongst friends or is this a scalable right. enterprise? Right. 
because you would build that differently. Right. But yeah. going back through, mm-hmm. you know, again, for the benefit of our audience, when sure. we look at this, you you built this for your own use. Mm-hmm. Proof, proof of concept, you know that it increased sales in your office. So you know it worked so next step. once. Let's see your it. next step was <laughs> to get some beta tests going. And you see again, it worked to other offices. You built that out or just mm-hmm. kind of copied what you had done in Excel, minimal mm-hmm. viable project, you know, we like yep. to talk about that. MVPs. Um, but you put that out there, and then, so you had proof of concept in your office. And, and interest. And you had a proof of market, though. And proof right? of and market. You, like, you proved mm-hmm. that there is a market for this, because those six people that you sent to all said, yes, this works, and mm-hmm. presumably they would have been happy to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you went through that process before you engaged in... Paying a lot of money. Paying a lot of money to have this thing <laughs> programmed. And, and you know, yeah. it really doesn't matter. If, if you're a programmer and you have the mm-hmm. skill set to do this, you still have to assign the cost to it, right? And because oh, there's yeah. opportunity costs, you could be doing things for pay mm-hmm. versus doing something for yourself. And so, um, and I think that's a really important process that a lot of people like to try to cut corners on or skip, you know. Get out of order a little I bit. I did maybe. a proof of concept. Yeah. Now I'm going to go hire this this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, programmer, and then we'll beta test. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's an expensive way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's not necessarily any faster mm-hmm. while you're waiting for someone else to build this thing out. And it's interesting, uh, too, so as I've, you know, read or actually just listened to books, but, you know, you hear about that a lot. Yes. But by the time I was hearing any of these messages, it was kind of after the fact. So it was, it was one of those, I don't know if it was just dumb luck then at that point, that, Maybe. you know, yeah, a little bit of that where, oh, so I guess I should have done that. Well, I guess I, it just happened in that fashion. Right. Um, but a little bit out of necessity too, right? We didn't have any, you know, we were going to bootstrap this essentially. I right. mean, we weren't closing any doors on anything, but it, it certainly I wasn't going out after proof of, concept before proof of market, as you mentioned, trying mm-hmm. to find someone to help me build this thing. So uh, perhaps it was out of necessity that we proved both of those things before we wanted to dive in with our own money to then say, okay, well, let's go hire a team of developers. And really the, the way we did that, um, it was a little bit of who you know. You know, we had enough right. uh, connections through um, uh, college and some other folks that we had a few good recommendations for one particular team that the uh, they happened to be uh, you know under or went to the same uh, IU you know with me around mm-hmm. that same time knew them uh, fairly well through these shared connections and they were um, not not small but not large shop probably more considered small um, right. but had some experience in this, but then they were hungry too. Like they saw this project, saw the prototypes, got really excited about it. And they're very much like, you know, we haven't done exactly what you're describing, but we haven't, uh, but we have some applicable, you know, knowledge to exactly this kind of stuff. And we're excited to do it. And so, you know, that, I think that shared passion and their excitement too helped drive a lot of trust, a lot of interest. Of course, you see the quality come through because they're pretty excited about it. And I think, um, I don't I don't know if it would have been as smooth if it were just someone that I was very detached from. I mean, I, again, I didn't really right. know these guys right. at all, but I somewhat text them regularly now, Yeah. if any of you are listening to it, Sean or Jacob, So because <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you about this podcast after. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, and then to see them grow at the same time that we've been growing has been really interesting. Yeah, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, well, get us a little more up to speed. So you, you were able to um, 
develop the what we'll call the working product. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not the final. I was going to say final product, but you yeah. know, as with all software, it'll constantly um, be improved. I'm sure. Yes. Um, but you have this. It's it's marketable. It's ready mm-hmm. for any office that wants to have it. Yep. Um, so I mean, let's just talk about so how yeah how you got here, and then some of the challenges that you face, some of the things we talked about before the show. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's it's deep. It's interesting. It is a journey because you know eight eight months later, and you know we're at like fifty some odd accounts, you know somewhere right. in that range. And so, the way it really launched wasn't with much fanfare. It was basically okay. I then had the more finished product or whatever we just called it, you know, in my beta offices. It was successful. Then it was like, hey put me in touch with your friends. Okay, so we're getting friends and friends or friends of friends starting to want to buy in. And uh, so then converted some of those to say, okay, now here's people that I only tangentially know Mm -hmm. that wanted to sign up. And then uh, from there, it was actually mostly, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn marketing was to say, okay, um, you know, in in our profession, conventions are kind of big, you know, trade shows, so you would go and sell there. Again, those are more of the expensive routes that you could take if you're just starting up. So we did mostly Facebook and uh, LinkedIn advertising and then started finally getting customers that we had no connection to. Right. And that was kind of the, okay, this is when now I have even further proof. And then about that same time that we were starting to get some of those online, were then starting to talk or started to talk to, say, larger entities that would act as distributors or directly benefit from, you know, more contact lens sales. Like there's such thing as contact lens distributor that that uh, sells the contact lenses to the offices and does the distribution for that for all the major manufacturers. Right, right. So you would assume, you know, they would be interested in something that helped their offices also sell more contacts. So, you know, you get into these more complex, um, oh, I don't know if dealings is the right word, but suddenly you, once you, once I felt like once we made it past the friends of friends stage and we started getting ones right. that had no connection to was when then I could go to these other organizations, find some connection there. And usually yeah. a small enough industry found connections up the ladder and then started talking with, you know, perhaps the, the, VP of marketing of some company or the COO or something like that. And um, then from there, it's just, uh, it feels like everything would go quickly. And then it's, uh, you know, three steps backward, four steps forward, uh, maybe (laughs) is the, I don't know if the ratio is uh, quite right, but uh, uh, yeah, then it's just kind of been gradual growth. And then we're about to launch kind of some more, you know, if we had had this, podcast even two weeks from now i'd be curious what you know my well you're welcome to come back oh i'll just come back in two weeks we'll just update this i'll give you the newest update of where we are so now we're actually launching into our first kind of large-scale distribution type relationship right Uh, it's a a different october 1st different considerations when you're Mm -hmm. out selling to the one doctor office or the you know one or two doctor office Mm -hmm. um and then trying to sell into an enterprise level and get into some kind of distribution. Oh yeah. Uh, and I know that was always your ambition and being mm-hmm. part of the arc of this whole thing, but I'm sure it's not quite exactly what you thought it would be. 
right? No, because no. Because you, you can't do that, right? You don't. You can't know what that's going to be like until yes. you actually get there. And I'd say the first um, one of the challenges is the way that I probably think, you know, I'm kind of quick to like, all right, let's come on. Let's do yeah. this. And you quickly realize, oh, that's, that's the, uh-huh. the minority of, of people both in, in these other relationships and then even the um, talking with individual, you know, doctors. Yeah. Uh, not everyone's on that early adopter curve, right. <laughs> a part of the technology adoption curve. And so to slow yourself down and not get too discouraged, and maybe it's the, um, you know, for every 10, I'd probably say this is about right, you know, for each little, I don't know if loss is the right word, but, you know, just each little tiny setback for every 10 of those, one win would totally wipe all right. those out. Maybe <laughs> it's even 50 of those. So it's an addiction to the, yeah, but, you know, right. I, I lost out on these 10, but we got that, that one. one, and it is awesome. <laughs> and it just kind of creates the mom- the momentum, I guess. Right. And, of course, you're doing yeah. all this uh, as you're still a practicing doctor. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> right? is true. And still yeah. running your practice, um, <laughs> you know. And I'm sure that in itself has, you know, built in some challenges. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, this is a little big to, to refer to as a side hustle. Um, it's, it's, or at least, yeah. I mean, it certainly getting would have started as, yeah. a, a, as a side hustle, but now mm-hmm. it's getting much bigger. And, you know, how do you allocate time and yeah, well, I don't know. What was your career? A series of hobbies or my, something my like that? My series of hobbies, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I have my career, but my hobby is this other business. I don't really probably have too many other interests other than, you know, building and doing stuff like this. Okay. And so, I mean, I recently did a backsplash in a kitchen, and I know you, you know, did oh, some yeah. tiling work too, you know. <laughs> it's it's getting there. It's not all the way done. Yeah, oh, I okay. enjoy that too. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, well, I always uh, say yeah. you have to have an equal amount of, something that keeps your hands busy as you do things that are keeping your mind busy. Yeah, that's probably And I think that is one way you create balance in your life. And so you have to do something physically active, doing something with your hands, um, you know, to to counter. Otherwise, you just kind of go crazy. Well, that and and I like in in a world of these very long projects, because to some degree, you look at this like, well, you know, okay, I'm I'm in the middle of year two or something. You know, like it's... You have to have a lot of patience for the end in sight, or create little mini projects in between. Or at least that's how my something my you mind can works. take off and say, "Yeah, I did something that. I can yep. start beginning to end, be done, and like, hey, great, all right, off the <laughs> off the mental radar." Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a lot. At least from the perspective of when you're smaller, starting off with not a lot of customers, a lot of those things can be handled at night. You know, kids are in bed, right? You know taking care of some of my household things. And now it's uh, spending time with wife who's very involved in like, you know, PTC stuff. So we each have our own projects, which is probably a good balance. Right. And so you can do a lot of that at night and on the weekends when you have the free time. Um, Now when it comes to servicing uh, the early customers, that's when we had to actually start bringing somebody on. And so that happened a few months ago. And so that's probably another big step was finally to say, okay, at what point do we need to start involving someone else and how to do that? Um, And what will that relationship look like? How would it look later? And it's hard to know all those answers, and I don't know the answers. I have a good idea, and we have frameworks in place, (laughs) but we're able to have someone who's working for 
uh, a piece of equity that's you know helping right. serve these initial accounts. That would be a way of, of yeah. doing it essentially, and that's what they were most interested in too, as opposed to. You know, collecting a paycheck, so right. to speak. Well, and we talk often about mm-hmm. the need to be flexible and you have to be able to pivot. And I think um, I think so many times people misread the meaning of that. I mean, when we talk mm-hmm. about a willingness to pivot, sometimes people will abandon <laughs> either their market or their product <laughs> or both. No, no, I just pivot. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I say you can't pivot on two feet, right? That's you true. can only pivot on one. Um, that need to be flexibility, uh, flexible and to pivot has a lot more to do with what you're describing, right, mm-hmm. as I'm not exactly sure the best way to bring in a person. And part of that will define itself when you find the right person to bring in. Yes. Right? So yeah. I mean, there, there has to be a meeting of the minds there. Mm-hmm. And you may have at least when you started out, thought, I'm going to do a full-time hire of, a, of an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might have been ideal in your mind until you met the right person. Yeah. And they have a different idea how they would like to get involved. And mm-hmm. that's where that flexibility and the, and the willingness to pivot has to come in. Oh, if I had say. gone whatever I had originally <laughs> thought, I'm trying to think, I would have, yeah, all these... Uh, full-time equivalent, you know, because you just sketch things out in your initial right. and then see how it goes from there. But yeah, yeah, no, it's no, nowhere near the, uh, it, but always evolved, you know, yes. it's always evolved. Well, know. I think that, and I, yeah. that's a big part of it, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. a key to, again, being able to pivot and having that flexibility is that iterative process where you're constantly looking at it and saying, is this still the right, does this still make sense, right? And I mean, not having, and I guess in my mind, you know, I had several different tracks that I had at least a clue of okay if this is if this does not take off like I thought right how how does that look What's if this takes off yeah. somewhere in between if this takes off a lot if this gets picked up yeah. you know you kind of had at least a few different options as far as okay you know how would that look and what would I probably need to do yes and then as the whatever became most obvious you know once it started showing itself more it's like okay well that's you know i at least had a thought in place i didn't bank on taking off as exciting as that sounded as, as, <laughs> I'm gonna as go in that in your mind and everybody and, yeah yeah it, it's just self well and you know what here's here's the thing you know the sad truth as an investor and i you know listen to whatever hundreds of pitches a year um that level of enthusiasm is prevalent, and you do see people who say, I need to raise a half a million dollars because I need to hire a team of developers and a sales staff. And it, it, long before they have done any kind of proof of concept, that they, long before they've proved the market, and this is where we always interject and say, no, you're, these steps need to happen. Uh, yeah. um, and you may or may not ever need to raise money. And, mm-hmm. you know, different show, talk about the evils of raising money. But... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are the things that we see. And it's fun for me to have an entrepreneur who has, um, number one, is being successful. Um, we can talk about the recency of it um, yeah. on, a, on a day-to-day, right? <laughs> yes. You took all the right steps, and you're taking all the right steps. And as you said, some of it's by accident, but some of it's very intentional. Uh-huh. And either way, it's rolling out the way that it should. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's a company or it's a product that um, – I look at that and very optimistic. You know, I'm very optimistic mm-hmm. for you. And if I were an investor in it, I would be very optimistic for my investment mm-hmm. just because of the way this is rolling out. It's like, this is the way it's supposed to work. It does feel, yeah, you know, from a, you know, A to Z, you know, I mean, not yeah. to Z yet, but yeah, not you know, as long as it follows the right order. And again, I don't know if it was just the 
fact that we're bootlegging or that it it kind of had I to think evolve that way. I, Bootstra- I, I, I Boot, bootlegging. Boot- we shouldn't be bootlegging <laughs> things. That is a good point. Bootstrapping. <laughs> I say bootstrap earlier. I don't know. You did. I did. I, okay, did. I got yeah, it right. You were right, right up until you said bootlegging. Until I said bootlegging. Yeah. Bootstrapping from the beginning and having a fair amount of my own investment, not thinking that I was going to, like, I guess part of my initial plan was not ever that in order for this to happen, I have to go get money from somewhere. Right. But it also means that I'm de- maybe depriving my children of college. <laughs> you know, so I've got three daughters. Maybe these well, these weddings are you know uh, uh, gonna be less involved now. You know, maybe. Uh, you know, you, you kind of have that in mind as you're taking some of these leaps. Like, well, sure. I could be making these. Uh, right. You you try to mitigate that, but I guess I never felt like I was going to be playing this game, quote unquote, with house money with someone else's. It was always going to be. Yeah. Uh, my own or and my partners in this, and uh, maybe that made us more intentional. And I think it does makes I, you more thoughtful. I think you know? it does. I don't know. And and again, as an investor, um, you know, I look. These are the opportunities I look for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know, I can. I won't speak for other investors, but I sit around with a lot of them at some of these pitch days, and these are the opportunities that we look for. We look for people who have, um, you know, their own investment mm-hmm. to begin with right and they're not just merely looking to gamble with other people's money and we can mm-hmm. all, we all know the horror stories of you know people yeah. that just decided to stop uh, <laughs> you know and when it's other people's money you can do that oh yeah um you know and and uh you know i like having the conversations about people who are worried about college for their kids because mm-hmm. i had those same conversations and i can relate right mm-hmm. um and so, but you know, very um, excited. I've known you uh, some, almost since you started this. Yeah, uh, we we started talking. Very and early. You got to know each other a little bit mm-hmm. then, and um, said six months ago you can look up uh, still on iTunes. Uh, mm-hmm. about, about six months ago you were on the show, and we could compare notes on the where you were was, then versus where you are. It was interesting listening to myself. I will. I I listen. Oh, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a challenge. Um, you have some uh, short-term things. I know we, we talked about there's some exciting things happening for you. Yeah. Um, the, um, the distributor kind of agreements mm-hmm. that are coming up. And, and they're not, I would say, so th- just to give people a timeline of, of events, you know, three months ago it was, I had actually had one of the bigger challenges, not to go into that, but had a, a large account that was going to unfold. It was more of an enterprise um, size, mm-hmm. you know, 40 plus locations in one and lost out on it due to a buyout. So right. these are things that you can't predict, but have a plan in place, you know, who knew that right as that was going to be unfolding, then that happened at the same time. So then I, I lost out on that opportunity. So three months ago, I sounded a little, maybe less peppy <laughs> other than everything, but I had my other wins, right? Other things were still going, even right. as that didn't. Right. And then um, we had been talking with a lot of larger groups that all, you know, all have a certain level of interest. I mean, almost no one is totally disinterested, but then you'll see the action of the ones that are interested. Right. As you follow up with them. And then actually, yeah, October 1st, we're basically done. I mean, it's all arranged. We're actually just working on the marketing to the, um, essentially to to the accounts for this particular distributor at this point. I mean, there's kind of the final approvals mm-hmm. are going mm-hmm. in place. We already have our plan and everything else out. So um, that's exciting because that'll be the first of its kind for us. Yeah, that is exciting. Congratulations on yeah. that. 
Do you see this uh, as you're looking forward? I mean, do you see it being available to individual practitioners on a one-on-one? I say individuals, I mean small offices, of course, but mm-hmm. um, on on the one-to-one and through distribution, or do you see one model? Uh, I, you know, at least in our industry, I think it's probably going to be more distribution. Okay. I think the, the way those channels are built, there's a lot of um, social proof in it. You know, right. there's doctors, you know, they're, they're all kind of linked, and, and maybe it's even a few hundred or maybe it's a few thousand. But either way, there's, there's the linkages and the proof of uh, social proof and the proof of concept, right. and it all kind of goes in. And then it's part of this bigger system, and a lot of them are more used to buying in that kind of scenario. So right now, I'm definitely, as with our current marketing and everything else up until now, before this one relationship unfolds, those are the absolute, you know, definitely early adopters for the most part, right. you know, there's yeah. just, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> I have such little, uh, account servicing that I have to do cause they just take it and run with it and make it happen for them. And, and so these, this newer unfolding, so we're talking about things involved, evolving, these will be accounts that I'm sure will take more servicing from our end because they are not like that first, you know, right. or less likely to, it's not a guarantee, sure. but Sure. Certainly, there are going to be some people putting it in that aren't sure of how it's going to work for them yet. Right. And then we'll have to bring them there as opposed to ones that are sure it's going to work from the beginning and make it happen. So that's uh, it's interesting. It is. It <laughs> is. Well, one of the things about, um, I'm going to call this a smaller market. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, I'm it's optometry about, and. Yeah. There's about 30,000 potential. Okay. Yeah. You know marketable offset, you yeah. know, so large but small, certainly uh, compared to right. Facebook. <laughs> well, <laughs> In fact, we, can we I just throw it out an example there? We won't throw that. Yeah, uh, we yeah, won't yeah. compare that to Facebook. I guess, um, but my point being that it's a very defined market. Very. Right? And it's really nice when you work in a defined market because, you know, that you can start to generalize some things and, you know, like a, a marketing effort that works is going to work probably. Mm. You, you um, can get a real sense of the size and scale of each individual customer and, you know, you can learn how to approach someone of that size and scale and you can, mm-hmm. you know, you can really you know, cut them down into some kind of demographic profile that you want to, like, you know, you know these early adopters or you know that a, somebody that has a staff of this size mm-hmm. is more or less likely to use your product. They're more or less likely to understand how to use your product and, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and so when I say small, what I mean is highly identifiable. You know, yes. and and I'll say I won't say easy because nothing's easy, but as mm. you're more able to uh, kind of create profiles on yeah. those than you would a general population. If you're trying to sell to individuals, or you're trying to mm-hmm. sell to you know something that you know restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. That all of a sudden, you know, is a restaurant a, a mom and pop diner, or is it a chain of you know 400 stores? And sure. you kind of get into those dialogues, and so with with the the market you're serving, it's a niche for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Whether we call it a, a large niche or a small niche isn't really the point. The point is it's know. a niche and um, very identifiable, um, somewhat easy to contextualize. You could say, you know, mm-hmm. these are the people that I'm dealing with. And um, there's real power in that. And as an outside observer, as we're doing today, um, it's easier to understand, Right when you have these narrow markets like that, you can say, yes. "Okay, I get how this works." Um, it doesn't work everywhere, 
It doesn't work for everybody, but I think in this case, it makes a really nice case study. And I'd say if, if people are looking for kind of the order of events there as well, I mean, I work in the field, I do some lecturing and other things, so I've talked to enough doctors to have a little bit of a hint, but they're not really always the ones making buying decisions, right? That might be office managers. That might right. be the COO of over several offices. And, uh, or in the case of distributors, you're not really selling your product to a doctor anymore. You're selling to, you know, an entity that is interested in selling it to doctors who they think are interested. Right. So you get into these layers of like, hmm, so how do you talk to that person? And I think it helped that mentally I had a, an idea but really like the bucket sorting that you kind of mentioned, no one uh-huh. can see your hand movements unless there's a webcam in here. Sorry, not yet. No, no, but... No. But I was you know, moving my hands prolifically. You were moving your hands <laughs> wildly. <laughs> now you're, you're kind of like chopping, right? You're kind of saying there's these people and I these was people. Right? And you're yeah. segmenting as you go along. And I would say that really my market segmentation started with, a th- I figured there'd be kind of these and these and these, maybe early, late, middle adopters or something like Mm -hmm. that. But then as I've actually talked to accounts or prospective accounts, that that actually made the picture more clearer. Like, I definitely didn't have a very defined idea. This is absolutely this. I mean, other than to say it's a private practice optometry office or chain, you know, something like that, I didn't have any idea that, oh, this group would be very concerned with how they rolled it out to their staff and they weren't sure about efficiency gains or something like, you know, there's, right. there's definitely buckets that everyone falls into. As you talk to more of them, you start figuring out, Oh, okay, well this is, yeah. and these are even people that have converted and not converted, right? You get a real yeah. sense of who your first customers are going to be and who, right. who they aren't. And, um, but it doesn't mean they won't ever be. It just means right. you probably shouldn't focus your same message and energy the same, yeah, I'd probably say same it, message on those because they're not ready yet. Right. You might as well it, get to your early easy wins. And even if, and I, you know, I've defined 30,000 as a small market, mm-hmm. you can't sell to 30,000 people at once. Mm-hmm. And so you have to decide who you're going to sell to first. And I think, you know, you've done a good job of that by saying there mm-hmm. are early adopters and there's probably some size element to that and the markets they serve. And mm-hmm. I just want to run this down because we're running out of time here. Sure. And tell me where I'm wrong. But what I what I see is um, you were you're an entrepreneur. Um, you saw an opportunity within your own practice. You created a proof of concept. You proved the market through beta testing. You outsourced the development of the final product. Sold to your network. Mm-hmm. Sold to the network of your network. Mm-hmm. Found non-affiliated individual users. Mm-hmm. And then got into enterprise-level distribution. Getting the, into. Getting into. You're in the process <laughs> of that. But that's, a, that's the progression of your product yes. uh, to date. And, you know, I would argue that that's an exceptional model for any entrepreneur uh, that's trying to bring a product to market. So, well done. Even if it was by accident, well it's done. certain stages, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. But, um, <laughs> Ryan, I, I, sorry, Dr. Gustus? Yeah. Very anyway. much appreciate your taking time to be with us here on Your Business Matters. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Mark, for and having me. Continue good luck with your great product. Yeah. And 
two weeks, right? Is that when we're... We'll, we'll circle back in two weeks okay. and you can update me, yeah. And we'll just start doing this as a like bi-monthly thing. Where yeah, absolutely. People are that interested in, in <laughs> well, the goings-on in my daily life. Certainly they are. <laughs> yes. And to all of you listening, we thank you so much for taking time out to listen to Your Business Matters, and we will be back soon to talk more about Your Business Matters.